This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. This part of our show is sponsored by the Upper Ohio Valley Building and Construction Trades. It's where we talk to candidates for the office uh, for the, the election coming up uh, in November. It's hard to believe we're counting down to that election now, and we have a lot of races here in the Upper Ohio Valley that are of interest to our laboring friends. And so we talk every week with uh, one of the candidates, Randy Schwartzmiller, coming in, not coming in, isn't here with us today. And uh, they always send a minder, someone from the unions, to talk to us as well. Uh, Doug, Doug Giffen is here. Doug, good morning. Haven't talked to you for a while. Good to have you here. Yeah, good morning. It's nice to be here. How's everything Just going coming on off your Labor end, Day, I was re- Coming off Labor Day, I was reading a lot of stats and figures. It, 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 it seems as if, you and I talk about the unions a lot in the past, it seems as if unions are gathering more support these days than they had during the dark days not all that many years ago. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it seems like unions are gaining traction across the United States, and some of the younger generation out there are actually looking uh, for unions to represent them, especially after the pandemic and everything went, went on with families and being able to work or not being able to work and everything that went on during that time. What do you think is behind that? You mentioned the pandemic, but, I mean, uh, unions, I mean, let's be brutally honest, they kind of went through a period where they fell out of disfavor, even in West Virginia, where it is a strong union state or had been one of the strongest. Um, but but there seems to be a resurgence. Something is clicking somewhere. And what do you think that is? I think people are realizing that in, in numbers comes uh, bargaining and negotiation power. You know, and they may pay a little bit of union dues, but they have uh, fair representation and get a good return on their buck. The um, the power of unions comes in many different ways. And although, as I said, there's been a sort of decrease in maybe support for unions. In West Virginia, the entire union, all across the state, all the different unions, whether it's the Building and Construction Trades Council or the electricians or or coal miners or what have you, they have all really been very powerful forces in the legislature. You've been down there a number of times. It's been a rough hoe because of what the legislature's been doing, but... um, We've heard a lot from union voices in past years trying to stand up against some of the things being done by the Republican leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I started uh, eight and a half years ago, and that was when uh, we had about one good year when I was in office. And then it was lots of trips to Charleston to federal workers uh, that were, you know, in our union halls and and, uh, surrounding unions trying to help them out to get some of the legislation uh, either shot down or some, some stuff brought up that we needed. But yeah, it's been a really long seven years since then. One of the uh, candidates who I think has been very supportive of the labor uh, laboring movement uh, in his entire political career has been Randy Schwarzmiller, who is running now for the state Senate seat uh, here in the 1st Senatorial District. He's with us this morning. Randy, good morning. Good morning, Howard. How are you? I'm good. How's your campaign coming? Campaign's going well. Uh, you know, we continue to pick up great support out there and... Uh, you know, it's it's looking promising. Very optimistic for November. What are you hearing from people? I I, I don't know if you're doing door to door yet or not. Um, couldn't do it for probably the last election you were in. Probably couldn't even do door to door. But um, what are you hearing from people? Whether it's door to door or campaign rallies or something. What what concerns are you hearing from the people? You know, the number one issue out there is still roads. Uh, it's probably always <laughs> going to be roads. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, that's the case. Uh, broadband expansion is a big one. Uh, a lot of people are uh, concerned about what's going on in, in the state of West Virginia. A lot of questions about 
all these amendments coming up on the, uh, the ballot in November, especially with uh, Amendment 2, uh, which is to uh, uh, give the legislature the authority to uh, cut inventory tax and personal property tax on cars. And the other one, Amendment 4, which basically would give the legislature control over our public education system. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot of questions and concerns about that. Those amendments, uh, Randy, are can be confusing if you don't pay attention to them. And it's the kind of thing that it's easy to get engaged when there are two candidates, you know, out there campaigning against each other. But amendments often tend to slide by without people paying enough attention to them. I'm very fearful that folks will not understand what Amendment 2 really is. Um it is being pitched subtly now, and I suspect we'll start hearing a lot of advertising soon, as cutting your taxes. That's the way it's going to be pitched. I think that's the way they'll pitch it, which it really isn't at all. That's correct. It gives what Amendment 2 would do, if it passes, would give the legislature the authority to reduce the business inventory tax and also the personal property tax on automobiles. And there's no guarantee they could do 100% on the inventory tax and come back and say, well, we can't do anything on the personal property tax for cars right now. Or they could say we're going to do 5%. And they won't come out when they've been questioned on that and say, yeah, if it passes, we're doing 100% on both. So that, that, that's reason, a reason enough to be skeptical right there. Yeah, it gives the authority to the legislature, and they can tell us all they want to about, well, here's what we think we're going to do. Here are our plans. I think they've had committees together and proposing plans after the amendment is passed and so on, if it's passed. They can tell us what they want to do, but there is nothing in this amendment that says they have to do that. They could choose to do anything they want to, um, and there's a lot of concern that um, they're going to cut the uh, – the taxes that, that lead to, the, to counties having some tax money without offering any kind of offsets to it, which could end up putting more burden on the, ta on the counties. The, the first senatorial district alone, all the counties combined, would be looking at uh, approximately $66 million. Across the state, that number is $600 million. Currently, the legislature has uh, surplus funding. A lot of that's from the federal dollars that's come in. They're, they're enjoying a pretty good wave right now of excess dollars coming in. That won't be the case every year, and if this would pass, and they would cut these taxes, the, the only way the counties could continue to uh, provide the services that they currently provide is to have that number backfilled. And when the legislature gets to a point in a budget where they don't have surplus and they're having a tough budget year, it's going to be very difficult for them to keep that promise to the counties that they're going to backfill the, what they've cut. And that's when either services get cut or counties have to come up with another tax revenue, which more than likely would be shift the real estate tax, increase it over to that. So now you're not looking at a tax cut any longer. You're looking at a, at a tax shift. And I think that's what they expect to happen, but they just don't want to say that right now as they're trying to get this passed. So, so let me, can I ask a question, Howard? So who does this law benefit? Certainly. Who, if you're a citizen out there, who does this law benefit? It benefits corporations. It shifts the taxes back to landowners. If you're a property owner, those taxes are going to go back on you. 
But in addition to that, you're looking at those those taxes shift into our, our local farmers and producers of goods uh, in, in these areas. I think you've got to ask your question, who does this law benefit? And uh, I think you've got the right candidate in here to call, call their bluff out, and, and uh, he's the guy that's going to stand beside you when it comes time to vote on things like that. He's not going to waver. The, the thing, it's too, Howard, I would, I would just say. It's going to be important for Randy and others, even during the campaign, before they even get into office, to highlight this during the campaign because the election for, for Randy's seat, Randy's election for your seat, uh, as well as the amendment, will be on the same ballot. And I think this is uh, really critical. You know, we've got to get this word out that exactly what you said, Doug, Amendment 2 is not a benefit to the average person. They will pitch it that way, I suspect. We'll probably hear a lot of ads saying, wouldn't you like to save on your auto, you know, taxes and so on. But it, it's not designed to help you, me, or the average person. It's designed to help the corporations. And that word's got to get out, Randy. That, no, that's correct. And the other thing that people really haven't discussed, because I think they're still coming up to speed on understanding how all this would work, but your, your levies are tied into what your budget is in a county and how much dollars come in. So if those dollars aren't coming in, that means that the percentage of the levies, what they can take, even though the percentage doesn't change, the dollar amount will change. So these levies that's out there that expect X amount of dollars to come in each year, that's not going to be the case if they, if they cut these dollars. Doug, you and I had talked when uh, a number of years ago when the Republican leadership first took control. They came out of the gate with absolutely, clearly anti-union, anti-working men and women legislation. I mean, their first items out of the gate were right to work and uh, prevailing wage, which, by the way, neither have seen the success that they claimed they would. They've kind of moderated that approach a little bit. I mean, you don't hear you don't hear as direct an attack on the working men and women as, as you did a few years ago. Randy or Doug, do you do you agree with that, or no, I, I think disagree. they're being more subtle about it? I disagree with that. I mean, I think it comes okay. under bills that don't affect the average person. Um, I think that they start and, and they they pluck this this out of this person's hands, take this from this person over here. If you look at the teachers, they took took away their right to withdraw money out of their paycheck to pay their union dues to the state. So you, you gradually, I mean, did it affect me and you? No, but it affected the teachers and the teachers' unions that protected the teachers from what the state wanted to do to them in different situations. So when you look at that as a whole, yeah, they're not picking on you or me this time. They're picking on somebody else. But they're still, they still continue to pick on people. Um, they're looking at withdrawing unemployment uh, down to a 12-week minimum. And anybody that's been on unemployment knows in 12 weeks it's very hard to get find a job that you're making exactly what you were making before. But those are bills that are going to keep coming up until we get people like Randy in the Senate to protect the folks of West Virginia and put West Virginians first instead of these corporations. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm here talking today. Uh, it's all about workers and, and protecting the, the rights of workers and, and making sure they don't take just a little bit out of, out of what you have going on in a good situation. Well, you mentioned teachers, and, Randy, I think you can talk about this as well. Uh, a lot of the legislation the last couple of years, I think, has been in retali retaliation against the teachers' union for having taken a stand a couple of years ago, gone on strike, gotten at least some things they wanted, and uh, and I think we've seen retaliation ever since. You're, you're spot on. It's it's a very vindictive bunch down there, and uh, they've been they've been hitting the public education system very hard. Uh, 
and and also they continue to I'll just jump back a step uh, they continue to hit the trades too because they continue to go into the different code sections to basically reduce or eliminate the uh, the license requirements that, that are out there to make sure that you have qualified mm -hmm. people that are working you know whether it's electric or plumbing or you know uh, HVAC so that they continue to whittle away uh, at the working uh, folks out there the uh, education system I mean I think amendment four is just uh, another example of the attacks uh, on the education system they basically what amendment four does for our listeners out there it would put the legislature in control of reviewing curriculum and policy and if they don't approve of it they say to the state board of education no that's not what we want you to do this is what we want you to do so basically there could be no board of education in the future if this uh, amendment four would pass but, but to me well, that's yeah, amendment four takes when you look it at when you look at education in the state of west virginia and the state that it's been in instead of trying to fix the little problems that you have and pay more money to get te good teachers you decide hey we're going to cut the board of education to decide who's where you know, it's crazy you're going to try to take a good system throughout the united states and across the state of west virginia and change it into something that shouldn't be there and that's privatizing the school making letting people make good money off state tax dollars to educate our children which you know they won't do a very good job at well, and and there also uh, there's concern over teacher shortages. Uh, Dale Lee has said about 1,500 teacher shortages in the state this year, uh, and that's raised red flags among a lot, lot of people, including legislators. Uh, but part of that is because they've been driving teachers out out of fear of some of the legislation, like the uh, you know the, the legislation that says you have to be careful what you teach. You can't teach. Uh, I forget the phrases I want to use here. The critical race theory related stuff. Um, and teachers are getting scared. Teachers are getting scared that they're under attack, and, and it's easier to leave than it is to take it anymore. I think, I think everybody's getting scared. I mean, you have uh, Clayton Birch, who was the state school superintendent, you know, one of the top positions in the education system in the state, and uh, he has to be transferred to the School of Deaf and Blind to be the director there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, did he see the writing on the wall? that maybe he wouldn't be there in the future if the, the legislature takes over. You know, there's things like the Hope Scholarship that they created that basically said, you know, you, if, if you're going to any type of other school other than public, you qualify for this Hope Scholarship. Well, the circuit clerk down there said that wasn't constitutional because they're taking dollars to fund that from the public education system, which is already underfunded. Then it got uh, appealed to the intermediate appellate court which is a new court that the legislature just created down there and the governor appointed the judges and they shot it down and said it wasn't constitutional now it's being pushed by the uh, attorney general to the supreme court because they haven't got the answer that they they wanted that this is illegal this is the type of things that they're doing down there that's not only a, an attack on the teachers uh, the overall public education system but it's it's an attack on our students who attend the public education system. Well, in the end, it's the students that should be our priority, and it's the students who suffer when legislation like some of these things pass. I mean, we can lawmakers can say they're punishing teachers, but in the end, they're punishing the students, and then they turn around and say, "I don't understand why why we don't have as educated a workforce, or why we don't have as as why why." people are leaving the state why aren't young people staying 
Well, we're, we're literally uh, we're literally driving them out. Uh, Amendment four, Randy, is kind of a continuation too of a trend here in the last couple of years that the legislature has been trying, hasn't always succeeded, but has been trying to take control of pretty much everything into themselves. They've tried to take authority away from the state or from the cities and the counties. They've tried to uh, uh, disallow counties and cities from making legislation that are, is more lenient than the, the state wants. I mean, this legislature the past couple of years wants to have all control rest, arrested, vested in itself. Is, is that a fair statement? Yes, yes, it is. I mean, if you, if you look at their track record, everything that they're doing ends up that you'll have to go back to Charleston and say, may I have, you know, whether it's money or permission to do this. And it's, uh, it's just a, a power grab is what's going on here. And at the same time, people are losing their freedoms while they're doing this. They continue down this road. And I just hope people can see, you know, what's taking place here. And, you know, this, this started in 15 when they took over. And, you know, we talk about people leaving the state. There's close to 60,000 people that's left the state of West Virginia since they've taken over. And a lot of it's a lot of our youngest and brightest students that's saying, hey, we don't like what we're seeing here. We're going someplace where people are more open-minded and I can do what I want with my money and not be told how I'm going to be taxed or how i got to spend my money or where my child should go to school. They want those freedoms to decide themselves. And this legislature slowly just whittling away. Now it's down to where we're going to make the counties come back and say, hey, we need this much money this year because they're taking that away from us. When, when I was in office, we did things like home rule to try to give cities more transparency right. where they could do more of what they needed to do for their respective city. That was a bill that I worked on and supported, and, you know, we did a pilot and then came back and put it in place permanent. Those, that's the direction we should be going in West Virginia. So. This, is the, this is almost the exact opposite of that. Home rule was expanding the abilities of cities to have greater control over themselves based on the belief that the government closest to the people knows best. And now it is almost a reverse. Take those powers away, vest them in the state because, well, because we have the power. Randy, before I let you go, let's talk about the budget for a minute. The governor keeps touting his budget surplus. Now, frankly, I think it's a bit of a manufactured surplus because of the federal dollars, because I think he's held revenue, or, you know, held projections down and so on. But he keeps touting this, this budget surplus. If we have so much excess money, what do you think we ought to do with it? Well, number one, I think we should be addressing the uh, public education system as far as the teacher shortage goes and getting wages up where we can keep teachers and get teachers so we have enough teachers in, in the school system. Uh, also, I believe if we've got all this extra money, we need to be fixing roads, especially addressing our, our secondary roads out there. And third, if we've got money, we should be working with communication systems in this state to try to build out high-speed Internet in, in different areas, in the rural areas where people desperately need that. Those are just a, a few things that, that come to mind with uh, excess dollars. Unfortunately, Randy and Doug both, it, it seems as if a lot of uh, voters in the state simply vote by party. They vote for almost the national party, and they don't pay attention as much as they should to the issues. Can you, can you, uh, as, a, as a, 
members of the union? Can you, as a candidate, get the public to understand uh, the issues at hand? Or are we just going to have people going to push the red lever? I think when people start putting their cell phones down and stop looking at party lines and, and the differences of opinions they have with their friends and start looking out for their rights of themselves and their common man here in West Virginia, I think when they start doing that and they start looking at candidates like Randy Schwarzmiller here, he's a great guy. He's active in the community. He's been all over the place in the last couple of years politicking to get down there to represent you. And they start looking at the person instead of partisan politics, and they'll, the state will be a lot better off. Randy, some final thoughts from you? Well, uh, I mean, we're going to continue uh, with our campaign, knocking on doors, talking to people, making sure they know who Randy Schwarzmiller is as an individual and not as a political party. You know, I've always been one to keep people first, and the legislature we've got in place now is – they're, they're, they want to keep themselves first. So I just want the people out there to know that, you know, I've always cared about people. I've always worked for people. I've always returned my calls, and I will continue to do that. And I would just ask for your all support out there. Doug, always good talking to you. Randy, the same thing. Always good chatting with you. Uh, good luck at the polls. And we'll perhaps talk again before Election Day, hopefully uh, talk again afterwards uh, as you are the incoming senator. But we shall see. Guys, thanks for being here. Appreciate it very much. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.